0: We live in a world where everybody wants something tomorrow. Instant gratification. They're not willing to wait for it, typically. You can't do that in buy and hold real estate. It's a long game. It takes 5, 10, 15, 20 years to really start to see what the upside is so great that if you just stay patient, this business is a terrific business.
1: Before we get into it, I want to introduce you to Groundbreaker, today's sponsor and partner. with no limits on deals or investors. And you can read all about the pricing on their website. Speaking of their website, it is groundbreaker.co forward slash Joe, J-O-E. And when you go there, groundbreaker.co forward slash J-O-E, you're going to get access to a pitch deck that the Groundbreaker team created so that you have a template For more information, go to bestevershow.com. Best ever listeners, today's guest is being interviewed by Theo Hicks. You know, Theo, he's with us every Friday on Follow Along Friday. You're going to get a lot of value from this conversation. So with that being said, let's get going.
2: Hello, best ever listeners, and welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Theo Hicks. And today, we'll be speaking with Willie Mandrell. Willie, how are you doing today?
0: I'm doing well, Theo. Thanks for having me on the show.
2: Absolutely. Thanks for joining us. Looking forward to our conversation. A little bit about Willie. He is a self-made multimillionaire real estate investor, broker, coach, lecturer, and author. He's been investing in buy and hold rentals for 13 years and has a portfolio of over 40 units valuing at $10 million. He is based in Boston, Massachusetts. And you can say hi to him at his website, Willie Mandrell. That is W-I-L-L-I-E. M-A-N-D-R-E-L-L dot com. So Willie, do you mind telling us a little bit more about your background and what you're focused on today?
0: Yeah, sure. I've been a buy and hold investor since the very beginning, 2006. So 14 years, right at the height of the market, right before the market crashed, 2007, 2008. Rolled the market down and wrote it back up again and made some stupid mistakes, made a lot of great purchases, but I love the business. Rental business is great. Housing is something that's always going to be needed. It doesn't go out of style. It's been a great business for me. So we've
2: got 40 plus units. How many buildings is that? What are the types of buildings you focus on? Are these all
0: single families? Are they a 40 unit property somewhere in between? In Boston, everything's a three family. Almost all of our stock is twos and threes. Fours are pretty rare. They're out there, but they're rare. The majority of my portfolio is three family So Roughly 12, 13 of them. I don't even know. I can't keep count anymore. I know it's a lot for the landscaper. It's a lot mm-hmm. for the snow removal guys. But 13 properties, 14 properties, somewhere around there. I have a couple of single families mixed in there as well. Sure. So maybe tell us about one of your
2: earlier deals. So I know in Boston, I've talked to a few people in Boston on the show before. Real estate is a little bit more expensive than it is in, say, Ohio somewhere. Right. So you're going to need a little bit more money to buy these properties up front. So maybe walk us through one of your earlier deals walk us through how you found it, how you actually afford the down payment, what the business plan was, what the numbers were, things like that. Yeah,
0: sure. The earlier deals, I work with a lot of on the brokerage side, a lot of buyers as well. And the earlier deals are always those properties that you find on MLS. They are FHA deals, mass housing deals here in Massachusetts, low down payment, 3% down, 3.5% down. You scrape that money together. Me personally, I went out and borrowed some money from my mother, borrowed some money from my grandmother, friends did what I had to do, worked a couple extra jobs and got that down payment. I think it was a time roughly $15,000. My first multifamily sold for roughly400,000. Today, those prices in Boston since 2006 have basically doubled. The market obviously took a little bit of a dip and now they have pretty much doubled. But it's the same method. today if you're just getting into the business, it's a high barrier to entry here in Boston. Yes. Real estate prices are high. You do what you can to scrape, crawl, grab, pull, and get yourself in the business. But once you do, it's really great. Today, I am no longer spending or putting 20% down or 25% down. My focus is on the BRRRR strategy, the buy, rehab, rent, and refinance strategy. So I'm going out and looking for dilapidated three families, anything that is seriously broken down, heating systems, roof bad siding, bad windows, no insulation, anything that needs a significant amount of work. And basically buying that with a combination of private money and commercial construction financing, rehabbing the property, and then going out and getting a commercial loan where I can put that into a permanent financing position.
2: I definitely want to talk about that, but I want to ask a few follow-up questions on that first deal. So the first deal, you said that you did an FHA loan. So did you house hack this property?
0: I did. Lived in one unit rented out the other unit and in addition to that it was a three bedroom unit so I rented out the other two units in my bedroom as well. Relatively young, I think I was twenty three at the time and I still wanted to travel, still wanted to do other things with myself. So it was a great opportunity. I think my mortgage was roughly call it twenty seven hundred. I was getting about fifteen hundred from the lower unit and then another thousand bucks from the other two tenants within my rental units, one of them being my brother. So I would say 85, 90% of my mortgage was paid off by somebody else. So it was a great experience right from the start. And that's why throughout the the housing market crash, 2007, I was still able to hold on because the majority of my mortgage was being paid by other people.
2: Did you do the first Burr strategy house with your own money? Or did you immediately jump from this house hack to raising money for BERS? Or was there like an in-between step where you did something else first?
0: Oh yeah, no, there's definitely an in-between step. I think it's very difficult for you to go from buying your first house to doing a complete rehab. Some people do, but you can be, you really want to learn the business and learn rental property business. You want to learn how to evaluate and how to figure out ARV and everything else. So for me, there was a couple in-betweens. I started a rental brokerage. And to be quite honest I don't advise everyone to do this. this is not what you're supposed to do but I was giving a line of credit for my rental brokerage brokers was doing pretty well received a line of credit and I used that line of credit as funding for the down payment so in that particular situation I had about $100,000 line of credit for my rental brokerage and used almost all of that as down payment and then the rest of the purchase price came from hard money at the time it was hard money it was financing 75 to 80% of the purchase price and then 100% of the construction loan was given by hard money. So that was my first burst strategy.
2: Was the house hack turnkey or did you do some renovations there too?
0: Minor, for the most part, it was turnkey. Very turnkey compared to what I'm doing now. I'm going in and pretty much gutting things down to the studs now. For the most part, that first house hack was all cosmetic, kitchens, bath, paint, carpet type of situation.
2: Perfect, okay, so let's talk about a burst strategy. Maybe let's start by talking about... The private money you're raising for that. So how are you structuring that with the people you're raising money from? Who are you raising money from?
0: Sure. When you first start out, and this is why it's difficult to go out and do the bird strategy the way I'm doing it now initially, because you don't really have those connections. You don't have the resume. But once you build up a solid resume for yourself, you have that first two family that you bought or three family that you bought with an FHA loan. And then you can probably work the system, buy another one with a very low down payment loan as well. So now you have four, five, six units under your belt. That initial private capital is probably still going to come from somebody within your family, somebody who understands what you're trying to do, what you're trying to build. It might be an aunt, it might be an uncle, it might be a parent, it might be a cousin. The initial loan for me was my grandmother, who provided that initial private capital to go out and do and purchase that third or fourth property that I was working on and I basically presented it to her as hey I have this great opportunity I'm going to buy this property under market and when I'm finished fixing it up it's going to be producing let's call it $2000 a month and I think that the 24,000 and 25,000 that I'm borrowing from you right now I can basically, if everything goes smoothly, get it back to you within two years, basically giving you the cash flow of two thousand dollars a month. And with my track record, she had basically said, "Okay, you bought one two family and you bought another three family." So I see what you're trying to do. That prior resume made her comfortable to make that purchase. Couple that with the plan of getting that money back to her, made her comfortable enough to go ahead and make that initial loan. And then from there, it's just networking at that point you start to go out and you get to networking meetings you're talking to everybody that you know you're telling them what you're doing in the business and then from there it's springboards and now you have eight units or 10 units under your belt and you really start to put your name out there and you gain the trust of other people and now your access to private lending starts to expand
2: perfect so the structure is you return all their money within a certain time frame because you're doing full rehab is she getting that cash flow it's it two grand a month. Is that happening after you return the money to her? Is she getting any upside? Like, are you giving her money plus equity or is it just you give me the money and then two years later, you get the money back plus you'll get an ongoing cash flow forever?
0: No, she had no desire. And again, this is my relative, right? So what you're saying is, great question. This is a typical private money situation that I'm working on today. They're either equity or debt partners. My grandmother in this particular situation said, I just want my cash back. That's pretty much what it was. I, I want to oh, nice. help you out and I want to do what I can. There was no embedded interest rate. There was no equity position. I own the property outright and still do today. Today though, my private money lenders are not my family members. They're looking for a return on their investment. So I either structure it as debt or equity. So if there's a really sweetheart deal on the table and I know that I'm gonna be in and out of this thing in no time and I can get all my money back and refinance and pay the lenders back, I'll probably structure that deal as a debt partner. So meaning, hey, Theo, can I borrow 100 grand from you or here's an opportunity to invest hundred grand with me, right? And I'm going to pay you 12% on your money. So 12% of your money on hundred grand is roughly a thousand bucks a month. And once I'm all said and done, if I'm rehabbing that property for six months and it takes me another three months to lease up, then they're going to earn $9,000 on their money during that nine month period. Then I'm able to basically go back to the bank. And once I consolidate those loans and refinance out that private capital, I'm basically paying that private lender back or that's a debt structure, or I can structure it as equity and basically say your $100,000 comes in and that $100,000 is now giving you a position of 20% within the property. So for every $1,000 that the LLC disperses from this property, you're taking $200. And then if we ever sell the property in the future, let's say we sell it for $100,000 profit $20,000 20000 of that $100,000 is yours. So they would own whether up or down. If you're an equity partner, you participate based on your percentage ownership.
2: Is this something where you offer debt and equity in the same deals or do you offer only debt for some deals and only equity for other deals?
0: When I started off, it was a little bit too complex to do both in the same deal. Today, we do have deals where we are offering debt and equity to potential investors. So obviously your equity position would be lower, but you are also achieving some type of return right from day one as well based on the performance of the property. So the calculations are a lot easier for debt. It's a better upside for you if the property is doing really well. It's a better upside for investor if the property is not doing really well. Equity, if the property is doing really well, you'd probably wish you gave away less equity and you wish you had debt. So there are gives and takes for both. It all really depends on how you want to structure the deal and your access to capital at the time.
2: Sure. I'm trying to understand. So from your perspective, why wouldn't you just do debt on every deal?
0: I'd give you a perfect example. So today we're looking at coronavirus. Since March, we've been dealing with this thing and no one has a crystal ball and no one really knows where the market's going to go. If this was 2014, we're trending upward and it'd probably be best to do debt. But let's say hypothetically, we take a 10 to 15% downturn in the next couple months. It actually is safer for me, especially because, give you another example, here in Boston, we have an eviction moratorium, right? We're not allowed to evict anybody. We have roughly 36 to 40 million Americans out of work at the current time. So if I have tenants that are not paying their rent, it's better for me to have an equity partner because that equity partner is also participating in that downside. If I had a debt partner, they want their interest payment regardless of the performance of whether the tenants are paying or not. So the equity partner participates. It's safer for me in an unknown environment the debt partner doesn't participate. It's a better investment for me when things are a little bit more certain, if that makes sense.
2: That totally makes sense. Thanks for elaborating on that.
0: All right, Willie, what is your best real estate investing
2: advice ever?
0: Stay patient. The best real estate investing advice I can give to anybody is stay patient. I've been in this business for 14 years now. People look at me and they see the end product, right? they see what's at the end of 14 years, but it was a struggle going through the 2007, 2008, 2009 years where people were getting foreclosed on and my home was worth less than what I owed on the property. It wasn't certain whether my tenants were going to lose their job. This is a great business. I'm in my mid to late 30s right now. I'm probably going to see several more recessions, but I understand that I have a 20-year timeline before I'm even looking to settle down and retire and cash out. So, Real estate, and again, this is just my opinion, people in society today we live in a world where everybody wants something tomorrow. Instant gratification. They're not willing to wait for it, typically. You can't do that in buy and hold real estate. It's a long game. It takes 5, 10, 15, 20 years to really start to see what the upside is so great that if you just stay patient, this business is a terrific business.
2: All right, Willie, are you ready for the best ever lightning round? Absolutely. Let's do it. Okay, first a quick word from our sponsor
1: groundbreaker helps you increase productivity and investor satisfaction by automating fundraising reporting and investor relations through elegant and powerful workflows built by syndicators for syndicators go to groundbreaker.co forward slash joe that's groundbreaker.co forward joe to get a free deal pitch deck template if you have a smaller rental portfolio then here's a no-brainer for you hemlanes property management platform automates the entire rental life cycle with connections to local agents and maintenance coordinators. You are in control and have more free time. Check them out at hemlane.com. That's H-E-M-L-A-N-E.com.
2: Okay, Willie, what is the best ever book you've recently read?
0: Retire Young, Retire Rich. wouldn't say it was recent. It was probably maybe five years ago, but that was the game changer for me. That was the one book that said I had read Rich Dad. I had read The Millionaire Real Estate Investor. I had read The 10X Rule. A lot of great books. Start With Why, another great book. But Robert Kiyosaki's Retire Young, Retire Rich is kind of like the next level to Rich Dad, Poor Dad. It really kind of took my mindset to the next level and said, yes, I can do this. This is absolutely doable for me. And it was more about just buying real estate than it was all the other things that come around that topic as well. The asset protection side of it, the making your real estate business an actual business. I think people go in and they get that first multifamily or that second multifamily, and then they get stuck. They try to do everything themselves. They try to manage. They try to be a legal advisor. They try to be their own accountant, and you can't do it like that. So that book really kind of took me to the next level and allowed me or helped me turn my rental property business into an actual business. If your business were to collapse today, what would you do next? If my business were to collapse today, I would have to push back on you and say, I I would want to see how my business collapsed, because that's the thing that I love about real estate is you always need somewhere to live. So I don't know what a business collapse would look like. I still own the property at the end of the day. And I look at it like this. If the market was to take a serious dip, we got hit by 25% in terms of my values. Well, my net worth is going to take a serious hit. A lot of my net worth is tied up into the value of the real estate, so my net worth would take a hit. But I'm not sure that the cash flow would change. It. And if, let's say, for instance, 100 million people lost their job, right, and I have 10, 20 percent of my tenant base that can't pay, well, there's a lot of other people in the country really struggling at that point. And I don't see banks foreclosing. I don't see banks taking my property back from me because where would they go with it? So I could go down this long road or this hypothetical scenario that I've done a hundred times in my head, but that's what I love about real estate is the hypothetical collapse. I just don't see happening. And if it did, I would do everything I could to find more money and to buy more real estate, because I don't think that the collapse would last very long. I think it would, (laughs) I think we would end up coming back. And again, at the end of the day, everyone still needs somewhere to live. And I think real estate is one of those investments that are tried and true and that you can bank on. What is the best ever way you like to give back? Education. I don't think that I'm unique in any way. I think probably the only thing that makes me unique is I wake up every morning with the same focus. I think that this business takes a lot of focus. It's again, and like I've mentioned before, it takes patience. It's a long haul. And the thing that I would tell people and the thing that I go out and kind of preach is patience, consistency. But the way I give back is just through education, letting people know that you can do this as well. I'm not unique. I'm not gifted. I'm not Mark Zuckerberg, right? I didn't come up with this secret algorithm for Facebook in my dorm room. This is one of the oldest businesses in the world. And I did it. My grandmother did it. There was hundreds of people before her that did it. And you can do it too. And that's kind of my message out to the general public in most cases.
2: And lastly, what is the best ever place to reach you?
0: I would say Instagram and LinkedIn. I'm at at WJ Mandrell. And I also run a real estate investment group called Wealth Builder Nation. And we are at at Real Wealth Builders on Instagram as well, and I'm also on LinkedIn and Facebook as well.
2: Perfect. Well, Willie, thanks for joining us today and giving us your best ever advice. Some of the big takeaways from me was learning about how to determine whether to use debt or equity or not. So, when you're raising money, the two options are debt versus equity. So that debt would be borrow 100k, pay 12% interest. You fix the property up, you lease it up, you refinance, and then however long you held on to it, you pay them back their equity plus interest. So your example this nine months, the $100,000 down, 12%, it so would be $9,000. Pay them back entirely, and then the deal is yours. Equity would be you borrow hundred k, and they get a percentage of the deal, say 20%. and You offer both on your deals now, but equity is a safer bet for you during a downturn because... Debt investors, they're going to want that interest rate no matter what. Right. So, if you're not able to hit that 12% interest, and I'm assuming the property has collateral, they could take the deal from you. So, that was interesting to learn. And we talked about some strategies on how to raise money. You're very specific in saying how you, you first need to build a solid resume, do your first deal FHA, try to figure out another way to do your next few deals with low money down, transition to raising money from a so family member for you as your grandma. And she was nice enough to give you the money without asking for any type of equity or interest rate. Do that and then start networking. You
0: said? Yep, absolutely. And that's going out, networking, telling everyone and anybody who will listen exactly what you're doing.
2: And then from there, it's springboards. Then lastly was your best ever advice, which is to stay patient. Realize that buy and hold real estate is a long term game. You're not going to see massive upsides for a few decades but once you actually do the upsides are going to be massive so willie thanks again for joining us best of listeners as always thank you for listening have a best ever day and we'll talk to you tomorrow